Lord, make me understand the way of your precepts, and I will meditate on your wondrous works. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. That is Psalm 119, verses 27 and 28, and this is the Living the Word Bible Podcast. I'm Sarah Chris Meyer, talking with women about the Bible and the difference it makes in our lives. Where do you go when your soul melts away for sorrow? How do you find healing for your heart? The psalmist sought strength in Scripture and in setting his sights on God. And my guest today has made helping others do that her life's work. Rose Sweet is a popular speaker, retreat leader, and author of 14 books on healing and strengthening relationships. As a certified life coach, she guides people to freedom through powerful principles drawn from scripture, from Catholic teaching, and from the saints. Listen on to hear not only how she discovered the beauty and healing power of God's word, but to learn some practical principles for healing as well. Rose, welcome to Living the Word Bible Podcast. I'm so happy to be here, Sarah. This is just this, this is wonderful and one of my favorite topics in the whole world. Oh, I'm so glad. And I can't wait to hear all of the wisdom that you have to share with us. Oh, I could do it in about two minutes. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping you'll do it a little longer than that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so uh, before we get started, though, can you tell us a little bit about you? How would you describe yourself? I'm a child of the 60s. I got the first thing I have to say, beautiful, wonderful, rich, solid uh, formation in Catholic schools. Mm. Uh, it was the 60s, the early 60s, late 50s, early 60s. And there was order and there was clarity and there was beauty and there was love and joy. It was just a wonderful experience. The priests and nuns were great. Mm. However, I became a teenager in the 60s when things <laughs> were like going crazy. So I was confused and drawn into the culture like, you know, we all can be. And um, without without seeking guidance and thinking I could figure it out all on my own, hello, um, I went down some dark paths. And I had made an idol of marriage. Hmm. My mom and dad had a good marriage. They had nine kids. They were devout Catholics. And one of the things that I really loved about my dad is every Sunday, he would make sure we all got to Mass, and then he would make a big breakfast and have us all help him in that. And then in the afternoon, he would gather us around the table again and open a big Bible Hmm. with thin, almost transparent page, like tissue paper with gold on the edges. The thing was huge. And my dad had big worker hands, big man hands. Mm -hmm. And I would remember watching his strong, rough hands carefully and delicately and very reverently turn those tissue pages of scripture. And he would read the Bible to his children. Hmm. And it was so inspiring to me. And I knew that my dad went to the word of God when he needed guidance, when he needed comfort or help. He didn't really say it as much as he showed it. Hmm. He was born Protestant and had a major conversion when he was 11 years old. He he went to a tent revival. Oh, my goodness. In California? In California, in Northern California. And uh, he remembers very clearly walking up to the front and uh, giving his life to the Lord. Wow. 
So he was raised with a love for scripture. And then when he wanted to marry my mom and she was a cradle Catholic and said, now you're Protestant, you know, and uh, <laughs> he goes, well, I'm going to show you, you that you're wrong. And, and of course, the deeper into scripture that he got, the more clear it was that the Catholic church was the fullness of, of Christianity and he converted. So I come from a really rich background of a, of a Bible-loving former Protestant dad and a faithful cradle-Catholic mom. Um, but even having that richness, the human person can be seduced off into the wild blue yonder. And uh, But I knew where to come back. When I had crashed and burned enough and I had a couple divorces behind me, I didn't know what I was doing. I was hurting myself and hurting others. I I finally cried out to God. Hmm. And I'd always heard that when you pray to the Lord, you should stop then and listen. Well, I did. But I didn't like, I didn't really hear anything. So I was like scratching my head. And then it dawned on me. So somebody told me, well, he's speaking to you through his word. Hello. The Bible, blow the oh. dust off of it. And I'm like, <laughs> yes, the Bible. How old were you at this point? Oh, I was in my late 20s, early okay. 30s. And I'd never left the Catholic faith, but you know, it was very, very lukewarm. And I, I did have a personal relationship with God, but it was like hmm. a little girl and a, a dad in the office, and she didn't really connect with him. You know, I didn't really connect with God. And so I started reading more of scripture. And about this time, some of my uh, siblings had left the church. They were poorly catechized, like in the 70s. And they became Bible-loving, on fire for the word of God, devout Protestants, hmm. but who told me that I was going to go to hell because I was oh still Catholic. So their challenge to me made me dive even more deeply into scripture. And I thought, because I, I didn't know how to defend what we believe. Yeah. So scripture was invaluable in that. And, uh, and I discovered, you know, good Catholic apologists, Catholic answers back in the day um, with Carl Keating. And, mm -hmm. you know, everything that we believe as Catholics is rooted in and springs forth from the beauty of God's word. So then I'm, you know, I'm getting into scripture and I'm reading more and I'm able to defend the Catholic faith, but I'm still carrying a lot of woundedness and anxiety and mental and emotional strain about my own personal life. I'm having trouble integrating my emotions with my intellect. And then I discovered through the advice of a good holy priest, St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body. Ah. And it was huge. And there were like words that had 57,000 letters in them, and I couldn't even <laughs> say them. But I was challenged to go deep into it. And it took me several months to work through that. And what it was, it's not something that John Paul II made up. It's a scripture study. It is a deep and beautiful focus on the words of Christ. And even starting in the book of Genesis. Yes, he starts at the beginning. He goes all the way through scripture. He talks about the origin of man, and it talks about the history of man, and then the destiny of man, hmm. the, you know, the three phases of our, of our lives. 
And that took scripture and integrated it for me into the deepest longings of my heart, my Mm. emotions, my passions. Can you, before you go on, maybe for those who aren't very familiar with the theology of the body, maybe connect some of the basic principles with what you were feeling in your heart, just to make that come alive a little bit? Yes. We could go on for hours on, on that. But basically, the Pope knows that every person asks these questions. And so he says, let's ask and answer these questions. What does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be male and female? What does that mean that there's man and woman and and two different sexes? Because we've got it all mixed up. What does it really mean? Let's go to scripture. Let's go to the words of Christ. And then he says, okay, now once we understand what it means to be a man and to be a woman and to have desire for each other, now let's look at how we live to be happy. So what does it mean to be male and female? And once we really get that, how do we then live to be truly happy? And I was like, yes, that's what I want. That's what I want. So he, he goes to the words of Christ and says, look, and he brings up the beautiful spousal analogy in, in scripture. That blew me away because I'd been made this, I'm making this idol of romance and love and marriage. And there it was. And what is that analogy? The spousal analogy that God's people, not just God's people, but also every individual soul is truly his bride. Mm-hmm. And if we can understand in our limited human experience, the longing of the bride for the big, strong, handsome, take me away and make me happy forever, the longings of the bride, every human soul and God's people collectively long for him as the bridegroom, as the husband. God revealed himself in the Old Testament, time and time again through the prophets, that I am your husband. You understand the husband-wife thing, people? Well, I'm the ultimate. I have a home for you. I have love for you. I want to protect you. I want to make you happy. I want to fulfill you. I'm faithful to you. And it's like, that's what I always wanted, but I was limiting that to a human husband. And wanting that husband to do all of that. And I wanted him to be God. Yeah. Hello, <laughs> poor guys. You know, no, no human person can bear that weight. So it opened my eyes. It shocked me. It angered me that I hadn't heard it before. It made me feel shame and guilt that I had gone so far down the bad path. But ultimately, it excited me and gave me hope. Hmm. And did you experience it? I mean, it's one thing to hear it with our mind. How did how was it made real to you? Well, here it is. So I was post-divorce and single and had given my life to God and said, I'm not going to ever do anything again to displease you. Please keep me in that safe, safe place. My question was to him one night before I drifted off to sleep, why did I long so much? for love and romance and sex and marriage and all that stuff and family and kids. Why, why, why? And I heard him not audibly, but say very clearly to my my heart, I'm what you've been seeking. Hmm. The next day, I didn't think much of it. I went out and uh, I had a date with a man that I was trying to be doing it the right way. And we'd been dating for about six months. 
and we went off on a shopping trip together. And on the way home, it was it was late at night. It was dark. And he said, Rose, I want to talk about our relationship. And I was like, yes, because we all know at six months, it's going to go somewhere. Yeah. Right? So I was hoping maybe this is it. Right. And he said, you're wonderful. You're beautiful. You're fabulous. And then I could hear it, but, and he goes, but I think you like me more than I like you. <gasps> oh, ouch. And it just, yes, ouch, Sarah, I felt like a cannonball had shot right into my gut. But I knew at that moment to close my eyes and call on the Lord. Hmm. I was really trying to be close to him. And so I shut my eyes and I was trying not to listen to that guy. And I heard the Lord say, open your eyes and look out the window. And I'd never had a clear direction like that. Hmm. It was black. Um, we're out in the middle of nowhere. It, we're in, I live in the desert. There's no towns. There's no lights. So I open my eyes, and there's a just at that very moment we we drive by a billboard that says the best is yet to come. Wow! It didn't have any product on it. It was just black and white letters, and I knew immediately. I got goosebumps. I go, "You're talking to me. You're talking to me." <laughs> So I, and anyway, I, I got home and I wish I, you know, thanks a lot for killing me tonight. I, you know, I was thinking, anyway, I threw myself on the bed. I cried the next morning. I got back up. I went out and in my errands, I went to the grocery store. It was a store I never go to. And I got some milk and I went on the way back to the car. I heard a man following me. I turn around and here's this young man with a big bouquet of flowers and he holds them out to me and he says, here, these are for you. What? I know. So I'm like, oh God, you're not my type. You know, we think all these things. And anyway, as I look down to switch my purse and my keys to take the flowers, I took the flowers anyway and I look back up and he was gone. Are you kidding? No, he had completely disappeared. I'm tall. I had big heels oh on or whatever. I look, I spin around and look around the whole parking lot. He's nowhere to be seen. And flowers are in your arm. And flowers are in my arm. That came from nowhere. That came from nowhere. I sit down in the car and I go, wow. Oh my goodness. These are from you. I, I think you're romancing me. I, I think this is it. I think you're trying to tell me. So, but of course, then I speed off into my next adventure. You know, I, I've always struggled to sit quietly and meditate, right? So the next couple nights, uh, my girlfriend said, you need to go back out there. You can't sit home forever. So I've put you, I set you up with a blind date. Oh, and I should have said no, but I said yes. And as I was primping in my living room, getting ready for him to ring the bell, I looked at myself in a picture on my wall of G it's the head of Jesus. It's his profile. And I saw my reflection in the glass and it was like his face was pressed up against my ear and he was whispering into my ear. And all of a sudden I froze. I felt this warm. I felt warmth from the top of my head, go through my entire body like suspended animation. And I heard God say, don't you know that I'm the one who loves you and will never leave you or forsake you? Wow. And I was filled with such peace. And I knew at that moment that he was showing me. He had sent me 
Sweet Nothings. He'd written Sweet Nothings on that billboard. Mm -hmm. He'd whispered Sweet Nothings in my ear, and he'd given me flowers. It was like, how much clearer could it be? That was the moment that the stronghold that had that was over me about the, the idol of marriage and romance and sex was broken. It doesn't mean I still didn't long for those things, but it means I was no longer enslaved to those things. That my love for God and my trust in Him and my understanding that He does speak to me, but I have I can't just sit there and wait for it to happen. I have to be active in that. And that just made me want to dive more deeply into scripture. Like, what else do you have to say? Oh, what? Oh, what else? What else? And my eyes were opened. And it's just, it's a, you know, Sarah, it's a never ending love letter. That's what scripture is. So was there a, a difference in the way you experienced the, the reading or the hearing after that? Yes. It was a lightness and a joy joyfulness, even, even in the sorrowful things. Because when you look at the sorrowful parts of Scripture and what he has to say, the, the hard sayings, because you know you're so loved by him, and he's not going to stop loving you. It's like in our human experience when somebody loved us and said, <clears throat> you look terrible in that dress, or you know, <laughs> you've been lazy and haven't done your homework. It doesn't kill us to hear that because we know we're loved. Mm -hmm. So we can hold the, the hard, difficult parts together in tension with the love and the hope and the security that we have. And that, that scripture is filled with that from beginning to end. So it's beautiful that you receive those amazing experiences. And it sounds as though God wanted to make sure that you had no doubt at all. And maybe you needed a little extra something, but not everybody gets those. How do other people come to that assurance of God's love? Since then, I've read the saints and I put myself under the spiritual direction. And I've since learned those wonderful little favors only come to the pathetic little baby people who really need it, you know, and, I, and I'm exaggerating, but um, I, I really needed it. And I have not had any experience like this was almost, I don't know, 30 years ago. I have not had any experience like that since. Hmm. I've also learned not to look for it, to trust in what I know, not feel in my emotions, but what I know in my intellect and my will. I am loved. He loves me even when I don't feel like it. And I think for other people, there's got to be somebody in your life, even if it was long ago, that saw you and delighted in you and loved you. And if you can draw on that experience and ask our Lord, help me to build on that, because His grace will build mm -hmm. on nature. Mm-hmm. To build on that memory, even if it's a memory, if I don't have it today, and if I still long for it, and I don't think I'll ever get it again, help me to know that I already have it in you. He will answer those prayers. Because He really, truly does love us, and He wants us to know that. And I think even like you experienced early on, if, if we haven't experienced it or we can't pull back that memory, if we do read Scripture and listen listen for his voice and ask him to speak to us, he will show us. 
even if it means bringing us flowers. <laughs> it may mean something else, you know, but he wants us to know his love. I think that's the the whole message of, of everything is that we are loved, and but that it doesn't end there. It means, and I created you for love and you're hanging on to some stuff that's not love. So I, because I love you so much, I'm going to work with you to help you get rid of that. Yeah. That's the spirit that I took in the following decades of our Lord helping me clean up my life and, you know, rest more beautifully and firmly in my faith. So if you don't mind me reading something from the top of your website, since okay. it is public, but at the top of one of the pages, it says, it asks the question, facing a life struggle, there's nothing you and I can't address. And when I read that, I thought that has to come based on your personal experience, that what you're doing then is sharing what you've gotten from the Lord and passing it on to other people. Is that, do I have that right? You have that exactly right. When you've been given an abundant gift, well, the wedding feast at Cana, this, this wine that just poured and poured and poured and poured and there was leftovers and the bread and you know the a feeding of 5,000, abundant that was with leftovers. That's what he's given me and you and all of us. He has that for us. We can't keep that to ourselves, and we don't want to keep it to ourselves. It is the nature of love to expand out to others and to gather others into that love. And I think, you know, I was also blessed being the oldest of nine kids. I think I've told you, Sarah. And I have this nature like, come on, kids, we're going to Disneyland. We're, <laughs> we're going to go play, and it's it'll be fun. And here's cake. Let's everybody have a piece. So I have this natural joyful desire to share anything that's good with anybody anybody who's hungry for it. Mm -hmm. I wish everybody could see your face. I can see you because we are on, on video now, even though I'm not taping it, but you have this huge smile and I just the love beams out of you. And I'm sure that that comes across in the work that you do as a life coach. And how beautiful that you do this work because I feel like everybody has emotional wounds of some kind. And the fact that God has just poured his love into you so much that it's spilling over to other people. There are a lot of people who really need that. And I wonder if today, if you could give some tips uh, or some just practical help to people who are ready to find healing in Jesus, you know, are there some scriptural remedies that you might prescribe for us? Well, I'm going to marry some good sound psychology with scripture. And those of us who are helping people who are hurting or lost or, or need some coaching, um, we know that there are five basic emotional needs of the human person. And I've put them all with an S at the beginning so that I can remember that helps me. And the first one is to be seen. We just want to be seen and to, and to be valued in that sight. And I, I have a verse. I have lots of verses for these. Look, here's Luke 12, 7. He sees and even counts every little hair on your head. So he does see you. God sees you. May, other people might not see you correctly. They might misjudge you. They might even not even pay attention to you. They might give you one second glance and dismiss you, but he sees you and he sees you in all the best light and all the best way. He sees you in love. Hmm. 
The first is to be seen. The second is to be safe in the relationship. That you won't be used or criticized unduly or manipulated, gaslighted, all those things that we're afraid of in relationships. You are safe with God. We want to be seen. We want to be safe. We want to be soothed. The first thing is when we have a problem and we go to our friend or somebody that loves us and say, I'm having a problem. We don't want the solution right away. We might want it later. But the first thing we want is somebody to take us in their arms and go, oh, honey, oh, baby, oh, come here, come here, come here, come here. We want to be soothed. When we're soothed, we're much more open to receiving instruction or correction. So we want to be seen. We want to feel safe. We want to be soothed. And not just that, we want to be sweet to the other person. Sarah, I'm going to ask you about some relationships in your life. And you don't have to name names, but think of them. Where you know the person sees you. And you're safe in the relationship and they, they would soothe you and they love you, but you're not real sweet to them. They don't absolutely light up when you walk in the room and you're not just a huge delight to them. Oh, so you mean you're not talking about how I act toward them. You're talking about, I want them to see me do they, because I have people in my life who love and care about me, but I'm not particularly, I don't delight them. Mm -hmm. I'm safe with them, maybe a coworker or a neighbor or something, but you know, hi, how you doing? They don't go, hi, Rose. Hi, Sarah. Oh, let's get, let's get together. You're not sweet. Hmm. And there's this extra layer of sweetness in that we want in a relationship. And we get that with God. Hmm. And the last one is, we are seen, we feel safe, we are soothed, we know we're sweet to the other person, is that we are absolutely secure in knowing that person will never leave us and will never do anything to mislead us or abandon us, and they will even suffer or sacrifice on our behalf to get us what we need. We are secure in that. So seen, safe, soothed, sweet, and secure. And there are scripture verses for every one of those to remind us, like you were saying, when you can't think of a human relationship that makes you feel that way, rest assured God sees you. You're safe with him. He will soothe you. You are sweet to him, and you are secure in his love. Can you tell us some of those scripture verses? Yes. I just happen to have them written down. So for, for safe, it would be, he will not leave you or forsake you. It's really in many verses. Uh, I like chapter 30 of Deuteronomy. And I would read that whole chapter, not just look for verses, because this whole thing is where God is assuring his people of his fidelity. You're safe with me. You're safe with me. You're safe with me. How many times do we have to hear that? And soothed, um, Psalm 56, verse 8, he gathers up your tears and he puts them in his bottle and he writes them in his book. He doesn't just say, here, here, honey. He goes, I see those. I know what they are. I see how they hurt you. Here, let me hold your sorrow in my hand. Hmm. It's just, he's, he's very soothing. 
and secure. I, I really love this in Proverbs 15, 13. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. And isn't that what we want as when we're children and we're on the playground, things aren't going well. We run to the teacher and the teacher says, I know, I see what's going on out there. Don't you worry, I'll take care of it. Hmm. And even though it may not immediately fix the little problems on our playground, we know the teacher knows and we can relax and rest in that security. And uh, do you have one for sweet? Isaiah 43, 4. You are precious and honored in his sight and he loves you. I am precious and honored in your sight and you love me, Lord. And I just, I say that slowly whenever I need to. I'm precious. Yes, sometimes I have a dirty diaper, but I'm <laughs> precious. And you, not only do you love me, you honor me. You hold me in a level of res certain respect, even though I'm the little creature and you're almighty God. There's a sense of honor in the way he sees us and regards us. So you're precious and you're honored and you're loved. Oh, God, isn't that what we want in every relationship? Yeah, yeah. We want our spouses, we want our children, we want our friends to find us precious and to honor us and to love us. And we are scrambling out there so hard looking for that. And my coaching clients, my I feel so maternal toward them because a lot of them are so deeply wounded. From They're carrying wounds from their childhood that are horrible and they don't feel love and they never felt a father's love or they never felt a mother's love. And it's like, it's never too late. God is using me and his words in scripture to bring those children of his hope and healing. Hmm. So it sounds like this is the first step. Um, I'm sure there are other steps, but just to be secure in our Father's overwhelming love for us. And to soak in that uh, enables the healing process to begin, regardless of whether the other people change or not, or whether the circumstances change or not, because sometimes they don't. And that's the difficult thing of life. Well, most of the time, I, I would say that they don't. Uh, and we want to find that freedom and the, the attachment to those results uh, and we can't let go until we know how loved and secure we are. I, if you wanted three little tips, I do. This is sure. something that I share with my clients: is study the Word of God. And back in my in the days when I was mingling with the Protestants, I got a lot of good tips from them, and I learned what a concordance was. And it was back in those days; it was a big, giant book, bigger than the dictionary. It was like it has every word in Scripture in alphabetical order. And where it appears. And they would call it a word study. So if you wanted to talk about fear or love or, you know, hunger or whatever, whatever you want, you everything in scripture is in order and you can go do a word study on that and God will speak to you specifically about that thing that you're interested in right now. It's, it's fun. It's a wonderful thing. It is a wonderful thing. So study, pray, and then don't give in to anxiety. Those are my three little tips. Study in a way that speaks to you and pray. Just 
talk to him and let him speak to you back in return through scripture and other ways. And don't give in to anxiety. One of my favorite things in scripture is the story of Martha and Mary. And we always hear that, of course, Mary chose the better thing because she sat at Jesus' feet. Yeah. But mistakenly, too many people think, and I used to, that the problem was Martha working. And it wasn't Martha working. It was Martha worrying. Worrying. Yeah. And when I... And I didn't realize that until I went to the scripture and read it word for word. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and anxious about many things. And I'm like, (laughs) you know, you can work, you can work hard, but not with the worry and the anxiety. it, It just excites me. Yeah, I think when he appointed deacons, he was appointing them to wait tables. He was appointing them to do what Martha was doing. So it can't be a bad thing. Yes. No, work is good. We need work. Work is a gift. It's just an endless banquet, the Bible. And uh, I'm so thankful. And I'm so thankful that you and I, I know people can't see us, but I'm holding the, the, you know, the Living the Word Catholic Women's Bible that you allowed me to be part of. And it's just so beautiful. And I love it so much. I'm so glad you did. And I just, I want to make one comment on those last three points, because as you were describing them, you know, to study the Word and to pray and to not give into anxiety, on the surface, they may seem like three disconnected things that, oh, maybe I'm going to do the first one or the second one, and maybe someday I'll add the third, but they really are all interwoven. And, you know, we speak to God when we pray, we hear Him when we read the Scripture, and when we do them both together, it becomes a conversation. And when we give Him our problems, especially with Thanksgiving, He wipes away our anxiety. He fills us with His peace. So those things you know, yes, there's something that we can do about not worrying, you know, because sometimes we worry, we like to worry, you know, we can increase that. But if we do work on praying and listening to him and thanking him, he will wipe that anxiety away and fill us with his peace. So thank you for those three things. Well, let me go even further and say it's very Trinitarian because these three are one. And really, as you're saying, the letting go of the worry and anxiety proceeds from the pray and the study. Mm-hmm. You're getting very theological here. Yes, I am. <laughs> yes. No, I love it. It's just, it's rich and beautiful. And um, I hope that everybody can fall in love first with God, but also with with not just his nature and, and what we know in our intellect, but also in the beautiful written word. Um, that he has left us. It's so comforting. Amen. Well, I would like to close by reading that verse you talked about that you love. It's Isaiah 43. You read verse 4, but um, I think I'll start with verse 1 and read 1 through 4 because it's really a lovely, lovely uh, expression of love. It's God speaking to his people, Israel, who he also calls Jacob in this. And uh, Maybe if you're listening right now, while you hear me pray with this passage, put your own name in the place of Jacob and Israel. And when you hear the word you, hear God speaking to your heart because he means all of this to you. 
Let us pray with this now. Come, Holy Spirit, open our hearts and our minds to receive your word. Thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in exchange for you, because you are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your love and for your protection, for your healing care. Thank you that you see us that we can feel safe with you and be soothed, that we're sweet to you and secure in your love. We're so grateful for your word and for the life and strength it brings. Open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive and ponder what you say to us in Scripture. Give us grace to love and live your word in our daily lives. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, the living word, amen. And Mary, Mother of the Word, pray for us. So thank you, Rose, for your own witness, as well as those powerful tips to help heal our hearts. And I love your five S's. I'm going to remember those. Is there anything that you'd like to add or that you wish I'd asked? Uh, No, I just love to, um, I love to share the word with somebody else. And this is a very intimate and beautiful time to do this. It's good alone, but it's sweeter with somebody else. So thank you, Sarah. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Well, I appreciate your being on this podcast. And where can people reach you and find out more about your books and about your wonderful ministry? Thank you. They can go to my website, rosesweet.com. That is easy. (laughs) Yes, it is. All right. Well, this is Sarah Chris Meyer, and this has been the Living the Word Bible Podcast. Thank you for listening. I hope you will join me every Thursday for conversations with women like Rose who love and live God's Word. And if you enjoy Living the Word, please tell your friends about our conversations and consider leaving a positive review where you get your podcasts. You can also join our Instagram community at Living the Word Bible. And may God bless you as you read and study and pray with His Word.